um, kind of, you know, transitioning into our, our, our time in the text, we're in Acts. Uh, we've been in Acts for, for um, uh, not a long time, I was about to say a long time, a week. Okay, we started last week. Um, like I said, I still have kind of hangover from yelling at nine-year-olds all day, all day yesterday. Long day. But um, so we're in Acts. Someone got cute this morning and moved that around and, and it spelled cats. And... <laughs> So you could do it. You could do it around. You could spell tax. Uh, you know, all kinds of different things. But it's Acts, okay? And it's um, Acts. Some of your Bibles, the heading may say the Acts of the Apostles, and um, we kind of, you know, I didn't tell anyone like cross out in your Bible or anything like that. But really, it's more rightly we should understand it: the Acts of God. Okay, Acts is works, and it's we're looking at God on display and, and, and what God has done and, and all the things that he's doing. And so if you will, um, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. And um, if, you, if you don't have a Bible, would you uh, hold your hand up high and keep it up? And we want to get you a Bible. Um, and if you don't own a Bible, please keep this one. So again, hold it up, keep it up. También si quieres la... Biblia en español, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tienes una Biblia, eso es nuestro regalo a usted. Okay, this is a gift to you. We want you to have a Bible. Um, we got a couple. Their hands are, hands are popping up all over here. This is like an auction. But um, be sure to get a Bible because, again, this is God's word that we're um, reading. I know I joke here and there, but this is not a joke. We want to make sure we know what we're talking about. What we're um, hearing is the word of God. That's what shapes us. That's what changes us. That's what's forming us as a community here together. And, again, um, the big idea throughout this whole book that will be in all the way up until November is the acts of God. It's like an invitation, like come forward, lean in and see God Almighty working and putting his, himself on display as he's forming a people. And so what we'll see this morning specifically is we'll see that God is forming um, a people to accomplish his promised plan. Okay, and what you'll see here specifically, we'll be walking through kind of in three parts, is we'll see God's people that he's forming, and then we'll see God's problem. I'm excited to kind of get into that together, and hopefully even feel like, oh, God has a problem? Okay, we'll see God's problem, and then we'll look at, again, God's plan. Okay, God's in control, and we're looking at him and what he's doing um, in all the world, and has been doing from the very beginning of time um, and so I'm excited to get into it together. Let me pray now to kind of settle us, to settle me, and uh, just, uh, again, remind us as we get into God's word together that we need him. Uh, let's pray. Thank you so much, um, Heavenly Father, that we can be together um, in this time where it, outside it's cold and wet and, um, and some of us have been in it, um, that even for just this next hour, we can be together in the warmth. Even we didn't have the heater on last week, so thank you for the heater working here in the school. And um, Lord, we pray that even now as we settle in that we will see you, and even as from that uh, Dr. King quote I shared, that we would, we would be formed and shaped by who you are and what you're doing and who you say we are and what you've called us to do as your people. So Lord, I pray that individually and communally we will be shaped uh, by our time um, under the authority of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, all right, picking right up here in, uh, in Acts chapter one, verse, uh, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. 
And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. And then um, it goes on. Again, the whole list of names there that I don't need to necessarily read through again for you. But right away, we see a a beginning similar to um, last week, just kind of to help us get oriented in what we're hearing now in God's word. This is really important. It gives us some, some specific people's names, and it also gives us some specific places and a specific timeline. And in a lot of ways, this is because if you recall or if you're just taking notes or, again, if you have a Bible, one that we handed out, Keep it, underline it, put your name in it, underline stuff. Um, At the very beginning there in chapter 1, we see the author Luke is writing to a man named Theophilus. And he knows that this will be distributed. And the point, um, similar, okay, you guys tracking with me? Similar to the first book that this author Luke wrote called The Gospel According to Luke, which is kind of like volume 1, also written to this guy named Theophilus. And then this is volume 2, if you will. And he says the purpose is so that you may have assurance. It's shown in um, Luke chapter 1, verse 4, so that you may have assurance um, of, of, of who God is and what he's doing. And we walked through some of that last week, that God's, God's plan, God's timing, God's power, because a lot of the people, the recipients of this, and like this guy Theophilus, just like you and me, many of us are wondering, God, my expectations for you and what you're doing and how you're working and your plan and your story, right? We talk a lot about God's story, creation, fall, sin. Okay, that's what fall is. Um, And then from there, redemption, Jesus coming and and living and dying and raising from the dead. That's redemption. And then his promise of restoration. Okay, that's just kind of the whole story of God. And a lot of us, wherever we are in our lives, circumstantially, relationally, can be wondering, God, what's going on? We're disoriented. And so we need a reminder. And that's what really Luke and Acts are very pointedly given for to remind you God's in control. God's the author of the story. God's the hero of the story. He's at work. And and then in some of these cases, these specific names and events and places are given. I love this because it's like a call out. It's like saying, listen, you don't think these things actually happened or just like in our day, you're like, oh, maybe it's kind of mythological or it's, you know, I don't know historically and all these. And this is like, no, this is historical stuff. This isn't spirituality, kind of ethereal out there. Maybe God's doing some stuff and out there. But no, this is like kind of like a call out. Like, no, this really happened. These people, in this case, the, the names that are written are still alive. And the places where these events really happened. And it's like saying, okay, this is 2,000 years ago. And it's like saying, this stuff happened. Go check for yourself. Okay, so again, there's a purpose for assurance here. But then moving on, continuing on here in verse 14, it continues to share what's going on. What they're doing is God's forming a people among himself. In verse 14, all these with one accord, and we'll learn Later, there's about 120 people. Down in verse 15, we see about 120 people together. But all these, with one accord, were were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And it goes on and tells some more of what they're doing. And and I want to kind of take this moment to pause as we're talking about God's people. That last week, we talked about God forming a people and calling them to be faithful. If you guys recall with me, the way we ended last week is these people, these followers of Jesus are standing there. They're with Jesus and Jesus gets, you know, like, beam me up, Scotty. 
okay, like, uh, like ascension, it's called. He gets taken up to the heavens where he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And his followers are like standing there, like just kind of sitting there, you know, like open mouth, probably like, you know, mouth breathers, just kind of like. Just looking there, kind of silly. And these two men that are there that are, that are angels um, in, in, in these robes, and they're, and they're like, why are you standing there looking, looking up? He will return. And then remember, we ended with a charge that is good, that we all need to remember. It's, I, I kind of joked last week, but it's true. Some of you might be, hopefully aren't offended by this, but it's the new F word that needs to define us here in 2017. And it's faithful. And God's just been burdening my heart with that so much. Be faithful. He's calling us, be faithful, okay? So just, again, replace that other F word with that one. Remember it. Like, let's let, let's let saturate our vocabulary and our environment and our language together. What does it mean to be faithful? And last week, a gal came up to me. She's here. I know this isn't a, a call out in any way because I loved it. She came up after and she's a newer believer, newer in her faith and there's freedom. I want to say that for those of you who are not Christians and are here evaluating and kind of inspecting, you know, the faith and wondering what this is all about. um, We say we take Jesus seriously and not ourselves. And there's nothing to prove and nobody to impress. So this isn't a place where you got to be like, oh, do I, I need to get it all right. I can't say the wrong thing. I have to say all the right thing. And, or someone who's newer in your faith, this gal came up and I've gotten to know her and she's really, really sweet. And so she wasn't like challenging me or putting me on blast. But she just came up and was like, so you said wait, wait on the Lord and be faithful. And don't just stand around like twiddling your thumbs. That sounds like a contradiction, you know, pastor. Like, you know, I don't know if you know that, but you kind of contradicted yourself. And I love that. I love her honesty. Like, I pray this would be a place where we can be honest and real and say, I have a question about that. God says he's good. That's not matching up with my experience. I'm not just going to put on a face and pretend that it's all easy right now. And this needs to be a place where we can embody that together and say, yeah, we've got to trust if God is God and is who he says he is, he has answers and reasons. So we don't need to be afraid of him. Him, much less of one another to come and be real and ask those things. And so I love that this gal came up and asked that. And let me encourage you. That's a good question. What does it mean to be faithful, to be patient, and to wait on the Lord, and yet to not just be stagnant and standing, standing around and idle? What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, we get a picture of that right here in verse 14. And in some ways, I kind of was like, pastor trick with her. I was like, oh, come back next week. You know, we're going to talk about that. Because um, that's exactly what we see here is, um, is what they're doing is they're gathered together. All these with one accord. I love that language of one accord. They're growing together. Okay, it's not like a holy huddle. It's not like, you know, yeah, the world out there, forget all them. They're all, you know, we have nothing to engage in community. We'll see that. Okay, again, come back. Okay, Acts chapter 2, we'll get into that. They're living on mission together. But right now, they're being formed together as a community in one accord. They're praying together. We'll see at the end here in verses 16, or sorry, verses um. Yeah, in verses uh, 21 through 26, at the end of our time here today, we'll see that they're making decisions together, important decisions. They're praying, they're coming around the, God's word together, they're being formed together, they're coming together as God's people. And let me just 
I think this is really important for us, especially that we're a largely very young church, young community, but I think all of us, but especially younger people, right, that we've got these things that can be really, really helpful, right? Smartphones, social, you know, iPads, computers, all this stuff. And what, one of the dangers, okay, I'm not going to be the old guy that's like kids today, throw your, take out your phone and throw it against the wall. We're not going to do anything crazy like that right now. But there are good and also liabilities, and one of the liabilities is we are so prone to be, um, to, to be like quick fix, instant gratification people. That, we, that one of our greatest fears, I have a lot of family of, you know, addicts in my, in my family, drug addicts, alcohol addiction, all kinds of different things. And I know there are some in this room who are walking through those things. And, and, and one of the worst things, I've heard this, I said, why would you go back to drugs after this many years? You've seen God working in your life. Why would you go back? And one of the is I need to feel something. I need, the, the biggest fear is to feel mundane. Yeah, I've been feeling really good and all these good things. I've been at church and I've had emotional experience. I can feel God. My skin's, you know, the hair on my arm is standing up and, and it's so good and I, I've got a smile and I'm feeling that. And a lot of times we sell a, a false um, message of Christianity that that's always it. Okay, I don't want to shy away from those things and say those are bad because they're good. I love it. I love when I'm up here worshiping and hearing you singing behind me and, and I, I get tears. You've seen me, you know, do that at the benediction and, and I love that feeling. But I'll be real with you. There have been years I've experienced in my life that's like, I don't really feel it. I've got journals full. One of the blessings of having a speech impediment is God gave me journals. I can just write like, you know, hands of fury and just write out my thoughts and my feelings. And I can go back and remember. And I've got these like journals full of just like, God, I don't feel you right now. Today's kind of boring. My walk with you feels really boring and dull. And I don't know what you're doing, but I have to trust you're doing something. And, and, and so a lot of people going back to drug addiction or whatever it might be is like, my biggest fear is that kind of the norm in a lot of cases in life where it just feels normal. And God's calling us to be faithful and sometimes faithful feels boring and mundane. And so a lot of times we'll even pursue self-destruction and stuff that's bad for us. A lot of people that feel in incredible depression and anxiety will cut and that's, I need to feel something. And so people will cut themselves in order to feel. And, and so, again, in this case, I want to encourage you that, that that question of what does it mean to be waiting on God? In a lot of cases, we see it there. It means prayer. It means coming together in community. It means hopefully together we reject this kind of, you know, individualism, Christianity. I've heard a lot of people today like, ah, I'm part of the global church. I do this stuff. But being committed to a local church, serving, being in community, being around all these people, all these things. Like, I don't know if it's really for me. I don't really need to. I do. No, we need community. We need one another in often cases to be reminded and shaped Okay, here's another little phrase if you're taking notes. I love this. A lot of times what God calls us as we come together, as we meet in community, is transformation rather than information. And here's the reality. A lot of times transformation, we don't know when it's happening, right? Like my kids, I have four young kids right now. They don't wake up every morning and say like, do you see I'm growing? Do you, my little four-year-old's not like, I'm changing before your very eyes, mother, father, 
right? Like she doesn't know it. She's just out there, you know, and next thing we know, we blink and she is talking like that. And we're like, how did this happen? Right? Like transformation is taking place. And a lot of times we see this consistent in scripture. And again, that word that God is calling us to faithfulness is we don't know when it's happening. And for a lot of us that scares us or that, or that sends us back because we're like, oh, maybe God's not really working after all because I don't feel it right now. But, but, but hear me, trust me. I think this message is that as God is forming a people, we can be real with our frustration but ultimately fall back on his promise that he says, I am, I am forming you into the very image of Christ, individually and together, and that's good news. And you won't always feel that, but it's meant to define you and, and to, to define us in our lives of following Jesus as his people. Amen? So now we see God's people. Now, as he's working that out, he's forming a people, he has a problem. Okay, picking up in verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120. And he said, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. So there's a little bit of not bait and switch here going on, but anticipation. He even mentions there in verse 16, the Holy Spirit. All right, and there was a promise. And guys, I told you last week I got kind of got kind of crazy and excited in it. And if I don't, if I'm not intentional, it's happening again. And that's largely because of in God's incredible wisdom how He wrote this, how He wrote um, Luke and then Acts, how He ended Luke throughout this idea of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is coming, and then even here it's been mentioned multiple times in in Acts ch- chapter one, all throughout in Acts chapter one verse eight. Right there's a promise, and there's this the Holy Spirit's coming and. He's going to fill you and he's going to make you witnesses. This is Jesus talking in, 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 in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all to the ends of the earth. And he's like, all right, when's this Holy Spirit happening? And then Jesus ascends. You're like, all right, um, I'm kind of getting excited here. And then again, right here, it's mentioned the Holy Spirit's coming. Okay? And you, you start to get excited because we can't be who God has called us to be in our own effort. All right. Like you could turn to your neighbor and say, you don't have what it takes. Go ahead, do that, okay? And don't, don't hit whoever just told you that, okay? That's not, a, that's not a call out. That's not a challenge from this person. But hear me, so much of church is pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Do better, try harder. Hey, I sinned, I'm, I'm smoking, I'm drinking, I'm, you know, whatever. How does that all go? Smoke, drink, chew, go out with girls who do or whatever. And, and then usually the, the message, I lived in Arkansas for a while, so that was a reality. We had to look out for that. Um, but, but, but seriously, it's like, don't do these things. Oh, I did it, I slipped up again. I, I mean, in, in reality, I... A lot of times our context, man, I got drunk last night. I looked at pornography. I did this. And then it's the message we give that we should feel convicted and weighted down. And then right there, though, it's often like, all right, we'll do better next time. High five, you know, get some more internet filters. Do some more things in your own effort. And know the message is you don't have what it takes. You need God's grace by sending None other than God himself, the Holy Spirit, to come and indwell and empower us to be the people that God is calling us to be. 
And that anticipation, that's, we're getting into that next week. That is a comeback next week. Okay, we're, I'm excited to get into that. But hear me, that we need to feel that in order to understand that, in order to be Acts chapter 2 Christians, we've got to be Acts chapter 1 Christians. And a huge part of that means recognizing our need. Recognizing our own frailty. And so as, as God's people would be reading this, and you and I would largely miss earlier in Acts chapter um, 13 when it went through all the names. I don't know if you guys saw that. You can count if you want to check my work. But the, the early audience reading this would have been like, uh, a problem, problem. Like, you know, the, the kid that's like squirming in their seats like, uh, teacher, teacher, teacher. You'd be seeing there are only 11 names there. And um, if you're really God and you're really doing something and you're really forming a people here that is, has been your plan from the very beginning, you've got a serious problem, God, because there are only 11 names. And you called 12. And it was really important that he called 12. I'm not going to get too into like numerology. I'm not going to like pastor and nerd out on you in here and get into all these things. But the, the fact that often, okay, God's intentional. All right. He doesn't just do stuff just because there's no reason. And so often throughout, including Luke, right, the first volume that this author Luke wrote, um, he mentions a bunch of things, right? When he feeds 5,000, what does Jesus do? He prays over the fish and the bread and breaks it up and divides it up into how many? Some of you guys know this, 12. Breaks it up into 12. He he. he Hibbies it out, gives it out into 12. And this is consistent because in the very beginning when God's forming his people um, and, he's, and, he, and, he, and he calls a man named Jacob who he, will, who he will change his name to Israel and then Jacob had how many sons? 12. Yeah, don't be afraid if you say the wrong one. I'll only make fun of you a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. You can say, but yeah, 12, right? You should, get a, you should see the theme here. And God has the 12 tribes of Israel and consistently for thousands of years, God has been working and forming a people. And so unlike us today, in times like this, when God's people are being formed in the early church a thousand years ago, and actually, are you guys tracking with me? Amen? Amen's like, I'm with you, okay? I'm with you. It means yes, I'm, I'm tracking, and yes, what you're saying is true. And so I'm going to call for some amens here. And, if, and even if I don't call for it, you're going to shout them out. And so, and so God's, God's calling and forming a people, and there's only 11. So if he just skipped there, all right, Luke, the author, usually just is like detail, 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 description. And then when he wants to give a prescription, okay, there's a difference there. I'll get into all that. When he wants to tell you do something, he makes it very clear. And, and all this stuff is going on. And Acts is, is a lot of description and then also some prescription. And he's telling us what to do by describing what God's people have been doing in the beginning. Okay, so that's what's going on. So it is clearly intentional, that there were only 11 names mentioned and that, and that the people who were reading that would be saying, there's a problem. Because God, I don't know if you are truly faithful because this new thing that you're starting is not connected to what you've been doing all along. And unlike us today, new is not always cool or good. All right? Like again, today, some of you guys I jokingly call hipsters and you can tell real hipsters 
act like they've never even heard the term because they're like, I don't even know what you mean. I can't be defined. You can't put me in a box. I'm authentic. I am who I am. And I can't keep up. And then guys like me are like trying, you know, I now maybe look, I mean, my pants are cuffed slightly and because I'm trying, right? But now it's like the new trend is already passed and I'll find out in two years and then I'll change then. And that's how it usually works for most of us. And then like Dan up here leading worship, he's up there. He's, he's, he's trendsetting. But... <laughs> Okay, so new is better, right? Like that's how we work a lot of times. And then sometimes we, it's all crazy. We're silly and crazy. But hear me, in this time, new is not better. New means untrustworthy. And it should be the same for us today. We should be like, if someone shows up and is like, hey, um, I got this really cool inside track on a new book in the Bible. Let me tell you about it. We should be like, alert, no, no, no. Like, I'm not trusting that. There's no new book of the Bible. We're told that this is it, that God has already formed his word. It's Okay, so we should be in the same place and, and, and have some alarms going off. But all the more in their culture, new was scary. And in some cases, hear me, look at me, they would hear this, and without God describing this problem, this would be their out. And like many of us today, we're looking for an out. We're saying, God, I'm going to follow you. I might trust you. But once I have a reason to just back out, to hit the eject button, I'm going to do it. And that's what these, the early church being formed would be looking for that early out. And if there were only 11 and Judas, who's named Judas Iscariot, you're like, oh, there is a Judas. You're right. That's a different Judas in the list there. But Judas Iscariot, whose name is missing from this list, they would be like, I, I'm, I, that's a problem. And this is big, okay? Again, underline this or write this down. I'll be saying it a lot. What God's doing here all throughout Acts is coming up here. He's showing God is forming a strange new community that's actually really old. Again, God is forming a strange new community that's actually really old. Okay, another way of saying that is God is indeed blowing people's categories and doing something new in the world, but it's not really so new because it's a part of his promised plan from the very beginning. Okay, do you, are you hearing me? Are you, like, that's important. That shows that God is sovereign. God is powerful. God is not reactive. God is on the move. God has been doing something all along. God is indeed the author of the whole story from beginning to end, the alpha and the omega. And this is incredibly reassuring. So as he addresses Judas, he goes on there and he talks. And I'm going to skip down. I'll come back to verses 18 and 19 in a minute. Okay, But he goes on and he explains what has been happening um, there. Verses 16 and then 17, he goes on. And then skipping down to verse 20, he says, For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it. And then it says again, let another take his office. He's quoting, if you want to know where those are from, he's quoting Psalm chapter 69, verse 25. And then again, uh, Psalm 109, verse 8. And that's so important. That stuff was written 1,000 years before this stuff that we're hearing about in Acts. 1,000 years before Judas would deny Jesus and then would go out and would sell all the silver that he got for denying him and buy a field. And then you see that in, in, um, in, in chapter 69, verse 25, you see, oh, he is indeed... Um, 
In Psalm 69, verse 25, it's exactly, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it. That's exactly what would happen a thousand years later when Judas would sell his silver, buy a field, and then in verses 18 and 19, we see the, the tragic reality of his turning away from God. He, he hangs himself. You guys even look there. It says that his bowels came out. Like it's descriptive and gross. And maybe if you're demented, a little bit funny. But it's really sad and tragic. I mean, just that it would say the word bowels and really describe this. Like it's, it's just, but it's not meant to just roll off our minds and roll off our backs and move on and keep reading. This stuff should have a dissonance in our own hearts. And that's exactly what's happening. But this is showing, again, let another take his office. That's setting the stage for what we're about to read is, again, God's plan. Okay? God's people, God's problem is not really a problem at all. It's a part of his plan from the very, very beginning. And the fact that he quotes these psalms from a thousand years, years earlier is one of a few, I mean, I mean many, many, many. This is just a few of many fulfilled prophecies. Like, I challenge you, whether you're historian, scientist, intellectual, I hear all these people, I'm more, I don't really trust in fables or fairy tales. Again, this is a call out that is like, no, this is almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. And by the way, we have scientists in here and intellectuals and philosophers. I'm just saying the perception that if you, if you are one of those people, then this book's not for you. And I'm telling you, that is so not true. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Beiser or Professor Beiser, who leads in the science department here at the U, one of the science departments at the U of A. And you see, like, this stuff is, this is for you. This is, God is showing, like, no, thousands of years before, his plan is unfolding. And if ever we come to a contradiction or a place where we're like, ah, it doesn't really fit up, God's saying, press in. Emotionally, intellectually, historically, God is saying, come closer. Lean in. I have answers for you. And that's what this is doing here. God's problem is no problem at all. God is forming a community that to these people 2,000 years ago and to you and me in 2017, in some cases it feels really strange. It seems like a strange new community. But because God is the one forming us, God is the one working, the good news is no, this has been God's plan all along. It's a strange new community that's actually very, very old. And then, lastly, we move on here, and this whole chapter 1 kind of comes to an end here. As we see again, it is God's plan. God's plan all along. Picking up in verse 20. Um, let me get there here. Um, in verse 20, he says, I'm sorry, in verse 21. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us. And it goes on and it lists out. And then they go through this whole process. And, and you see, he says, um, and they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, I'm in verse 23, um, who was also called um, Justus, um, who was Matthias, and they prayed and said, again, they're praying together. They prayed and they said, um, 
Where am I? And they said, verse 24, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen. It's God's plan. God is dealing with this perceived problem of only 11, and he's replacing it with the 12th, not because he needed to do this or because he's like, shoot, I need 12. I don't like even numbers. I've got to, you know, it's nothing like that. God is just assuring us and settling his people all along that he is indeed in control. And then in verse 26, they cast lots for them and the lot fell on Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Again, there, there would be like a, okay, a, a sigh of relief. Some of our A-type personalities in here, I know we have a number of you and um, I'm not counted among you, if you will, but um, you see these detailed people and these people are like 11, 11, God's been saying 12 all along, God's been saying 12, this must be a new thing, I don't think I can really follow him, all this stuff. He's like, hey, hey, okay, I'm, I'm in control and he calls a 12th to be a part of this 12th before he would send the Holy Spirit in the very next chapter because again, it's so intentional, God's showing that when he sends his spirit, it's not an audible, all right, football language for those of us that are excited to go see the the, you know, playoffs and all that. Audible, Omaha, right? It's not God like calling out an audible saying, I'm going to change things here. No, it's God saying, it's all been a part of the plan all along. Sorry for those of you, I just left you in the dust. Again, all the hipsters among us and stuff. Um, sorry, okay, but sometimes I got to kind of encourage the rest of us that feel out of place with, you know, mustaches and tattoos and craft coffee and we need to talk a little football sometimes. And so, um, so, so God's not calling an audible. He's, he's encouraging before the spirit would come. Before the spirit would come, this is so important so that he would show us that God's sending his spirit to empower whose people? His people, God's people, to carry out whose acts? God's acts, to live on mission. Whose mission is it? God's mission. Is it new? That's a trick question. Yes and no. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yes and no. It's new for us. It's where we are in the story, but it's really old. It's been his plan from the very beginning. So this is an encouragement. And just for, again, those of you who want to know what does it do to, what does it mean to cast lots? Is that something we should do today? No, we shouldn't. Casting lots, they would mark stones and they would put them into a pot and then shake it up and then pour them out. And, and then they would say again, even as they said, they didn't think, they weren't just like playing craps, you know, rolling the dice and seeing what happened. And, and God's like, oh, I hope it works out. No, they, they used the language you see all throughout there. God, will you show us who you want to replace this to be numbered among your 12? This whole, the message is clear, but this is the way they knew to do it. They, they, they cast lots. And I think this is just me speaking. Okay, check. I didn't. This isn't another commentary. Or, but as I read, I just thought, I wonder, God. And I've read this many times. But even in my preparation this week, I thought and I said, God, I wonder if you're juxtaposing. Okay, those of you that went to ASU, that, that means um, contrasting. Just kidding. Just kidding. I love you. Um, I love I know we have some right in here. Um, I feel your stare. No, that juxtaposition means like, um, now watch, I'm going to get it wrong. You're going to come back. <laughs> but it means, you know, comparing, contrasting two things that, that one of them um, reveals the reality of another. And I just use big words. So even if I did get it wrong, it sounded right. But you're, it is though. So they're showing, we see them casting lots and doing this. But after God would send the Holy Spirit 
to indwell his people in our very hearts. If you put your trust in Jesus, God himself lives in your heart. Your conscience, what we call a conscience, that's also what we think of as a heart. He is the, the Holy Spirit from, from next week on, okay, or from 2,000 years ago, the day of Pentecost, when he would send the Holy Spirit. From that point on, the Holy Spirit now leads God's people. And so that he would send the scriptures and the scriptures would be formed and then we would come and would be led, not by casting lots, but by, by, by consulting the scriptures and the Holy Spirit reveals God's truth. Um, and then the Holy Spirit who now indwells us um, allows us to see and to understand. And then the Holy Spirit who forms and shapes us as a community and who, who leads the the leadership of our church and it's the Holy Spirit who directs us. We no longer cast lots and as we move on throughout Acts, you'll see they don't just cast lots anymore. They, they trust that the Holy Spirit is directing them. So I just think that's really cool that perhaps this is the last time where they're doing it um, outside of descending of the Holy Spirit. But either way, the main big idea is they're coming before God and trusting in him. And as I kind of wrap up here, I want to go back for a minute just because <laughs> the Holy Spirit, I believe, not as an ethereal out there moment. I won't say, oh, the, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. And it's just kind of this inconclusive. Of us are very skeptical of that and, and even maybe to our demise. And then others are just like, oh, I tripped over a rock or a cat looked at me funny. And that was clearly the Holy Spirit or God was telling me. And we're kind of all over the place on either extreme. And, and, and we should be so afraid of the Holy Spirit in our, you know, in our, in our church today, but we also need to be discerning. And um, that was more just to continue to, to, to love us, to pastor us. As, um, I was baptized in a, um, in a Pentecostal church, so I'm a little sensitive to some of the, 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 the good and the bad that can be there. Um, but that said, way back in, in, in uh, way back, in verses 18 and 19, there's a, a, it seems like an aside when the author is walking through and talks about Judas. And I just want to encourage us and even call us out here for a minute because of some conversations I've had recently. It's talking about what happened to Judas. And it says, now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out and it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field um, was called in their own language, um, Akeldama, that is field of blood. And again, reading it, we could just be like, oh, why was that there? And I, I mentioned the dots are connected. That kind of sets the stage for verse 20, and it shows God's plan and all this. But I don't want to just skirt past that and not see the obvious reality, the tragic, sad reality of what's happening here. We think that Judas, we go one far, and we just think, oh, it was a personal problem. He went crazy and turned away from Jesus. And so we need to look, yeah, this, that did create a problem for God. I think I exhausted that among us this morning. And we need to see this is a bigger historic reality that God's talking about, okay? And we talked about that. But it's also, you see an, an individual life. We get a glimpse into someone who ultimately sees the gospel Here's the gospel. That word gospel means good news. And, 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 and says thanks but no thanks. 
We all, we're told, we all like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way. Every single one of us, whether you were raised in the church and you don't know a day outside of hearing God's word and, and you were baptized as an infant and, or, if, or you were baptized as an adult, and, which is what we believe in this church, but that's, I don't mean to get into all that, but wherever it is for you and you hang your hat on that and you say, oh, I'm good, I'm cool, I, I did all this stuff. And, and Judas, let me tell you, Judas was probably a better Christian than every one of us in this room. That should sit, he walked with Jesus. He was called a friend of Jesus. He ate with Jesus. He likely performed miracles in Jesus' name. He was entrusted with the finances. He was part of Jesus' inner circle. There were over 70 followers of Jesus, and then it was kind of broken down, and who was kind of closer to Jesus, and Judas was one of the 12 he had like intimate closeness with Jesus. He did all the right stuff. But at the end of the day, he saw the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus died and then risen again. And he said, I just can't go. I can't give my heart to him. He tried to make up for it in himself. I believe that's why he even sold all the silver he got. He's like, oh, this is blood money. I don't want anything to do with it. He tried to, he tried to just do better. He tried to pull himself up by his bootstraps like we talk about so much in here that we, we are blind to and we think and we use the same language as Judas and someone asked me um, earlier today, I don't know, does God judge? Is God a judgmental? Does he judge? Yeah. That's not really popular today, but he does. Hell is real. Judgment is real. And I believe we see in Judas the reality of hell. The reality of a life that has been presented with the good news of Jesus. Come lived sinless, died on a cross and then risen from the dead and then a life that says, I hear it, but I, I can't go there. I have members of my own family who say exactly that. I hear what you're saying, but I just, I'm not there yet. I think I need to clean my act up first and then God will accept me. That is so unbiblical, let me tell you. That is anti-Christ. No, he says, give your life to me. Put your faith in Jesus. What happens with Peter? Okay, let's contrast that, juxtapose that, right? Some of you guys just learned a new word. Juxtapose that, Peter and Judas. I'm a little over time here, but I think we're, we need to hear this here. J Peter, Jesus is right there with Judas one of his closest friends, denies Jesus. I think very similar to Judas. I think the same kind of sin. Some of us say, well, I've never murdered anyone, but I've done X, Y, and Z. It's the same kind of thing here is put Judas and Peter, right? Peter denied Jesus. Hey, hey, do you know that guy? Are you a follower of Jesus? No, no, I don't, I don't know that guy. Three times that happened. And so just the same, he denied Jesus. Judas denied Jesus, right? We compare, we have this whole different list of, well, my sin's not as bad as that person's. And no, before God, it's all the same and Jesus confronts Peter and Peter um, ultimately repents. He confesses his sin and puts his trust in his risen savior Jesus and says I trust that God shows his love for me that while I'm a sinner an undeserving guilty sinner he doesn't say I'm not as bad as Judas Jesus go talk to him I'll try better I'll go to church more. No he says Lord you know my heart. 
And he has this beautiful, sweet moment of repentance and confession. And he puts his, he sees his, his, his penalty paid for on the cross. And is God judge, does God judge? Yes. But he judged on his son. And he demonstrates his love that while we're sinners, enemies, Christ died for us. And Peter sees that. He doesn't try to justify himself. He says, I put my trust in you, Jesus. And he's restored. And we're about to see he goes crazy for the kingdom of God. And the Holy Spirit fills him and he is used mightily. But don't get past. He was just like Judas. He rejected. He turned away. But what does Judas have? Judas said, I'll try better. I'll take my own life. I'll sell, I'll sell my silver. I'll try to do it. I'll try to. And he, we see the tragic reality. And we see God's judgment poured out on one who is counted apart from Christ. We looked at in the Sermon on the Mount, some will stand before Jesus and say, Jesus, I performed miracles in your name. I healed people in your name. I believe Judas could say exactly that. And Jesus will say, depart from me, worker of lawlessness, I never knew you. Because Judas wasn't counted as faithful. And faithful means trusting, means entrusting your life to Christ. Guys, there's a lot of action points I, I had planned for us to get into, but I think we can just close there. Let's, um, God's called us to wait. He is forming a seemingly strange new people that's actually really old and a part of his plan from the very beginning. And his call to every one of us, for those of us in this room who are not Christians, who are hearing this new for the first time, who for the first time perhaps have ears to hear and eyes to see, the call is put your trust in Jesus. Repent and believe. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that God, that he died on the cross and rose from the dead and ascended and said, I will, I will form, I'm forming a people and I will pour out my power. Put your trust in Jesus. For all of us, the call as we respond now is to be the faithful people of God. Let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we can't be faithful apart from you. We need your grace. We need your undeserved favor. We need you to do what we cannot do on our own. Lord, we can't be made right with you. We can't make up for our sins. No matter how seemingly great or small they are, we need you. And that is the, the message of, of, of us this morning. Individually, as we, as we sing and pray and take communion and give and respond. And communally, as we come together before you, we, we need you. Lord, we want to be faithful. And we need you and we respond to your answer, to your, your provision of grace and the person and work of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.